Well, it's good to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, we are joining, we're starting, continuing in our series called Our Summer Playlist. So how many of you have a playlist that you love listening to? No one. That's good. No, a few people. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Do you like to listen on Pandora? Anybody? Pandora? Spotify? Do I hear Spotify? Anybody for XM? Anybody just for like plain old AM or FM radio, right? You don't make your playlist, but you listen to the DJ. That's awesome. They do all the work for you. Well, I've found it's nice to get to an older stage in life because my kids do all the work for me, right? They, they are on Spotify, and they put all the effort into making the playlist and, and keeping it fresh and taking songs off and taking songs on. And all I got to do is subscribe to their playlist, and I, I get all the enjoyment. So if you don't have a playlist, let me know. I'll hook you up with one of my kids. You can listen to their playlist, some, some great worship music. And they're probably feeling creeped out that I just told you that, but that's okay. Um, so this morning, we're talking about how long. That's the title of the message. So it's summer. Maybe you've gone on vacation. Maybe you had to not go on vacation. But what's the, what's the words you usually hear from the back seat as you're driving when you're going on summer vacation, right? How long till we get there? Are we almost there? How much longer? Right? So, again, different stage of life. Absolutely love it. We went on vacation this year, and, and Meg was going a different place than I was after vacation. I was coming home. She was going to Pittsburgh. So we drove separate cars. We had no kids with us in the car. Like, I could listen to a book on tape. It was amazing, right? My daughter uh, and son-in-law, they've got three, three little boys, and uh, it was 20 minutes into a seven-hour drive before they got, Daddy, are we almost there yet? And I just laughed when I saw the text. Like, I remember those days. But, but we've all said, how long? How long till this happens, right? We're, we're, we're living in today is we've got to recognize that life is super unpredictable, right? Like none of us can say what's happening tomorrow or, or next week, right? We, we used to not be able to look out a year from now. You can't even look out and tell me what's going to happen tomorrow, right? How many brides have never imagined that they would have to postpone their wedding for, for a disease or, or they'd have to cut the list down from whatever it was in half, you know, or just crazy things happen. How many of you... Have, have ever gotten a really tough medical diagnosis? And you might say, how long? Like, why is this happening? Or, um, you know, life-altering events like having a baby. Or that, that would be wonderful, but, but maybe you had a baby and, and then you found out you had a miscarriage. And, like, it's devastating. It's tragic. We don't know what the future holds. Tomorrow can be unpredictable. And maybe you thought that when you came to Jesus, life was going to be good. It was going to be smooth sailing, happily ever after, right? I came to Jesus, and now it's going to be wonderful. You know, some of us have found that the sin we dealt with before Jesus is still the sin we deal with, or the struggles we had before Jesus, we still have those struggles. How many of you have ever asked, God, how long will I be single? How long will I have to deal with a difficult marriage or a broken, broken marriage? How long Will I be tempted by the same sin, or, or how long will I have to continue with my chemo? Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 13, and I'm asking all these questions because these are the questions David asked in Psalm 13. He, he's very raw, he's very real, but there's something about when David, he's in the midst of despair, and we're going to start off this morning a little bit despairing. How many of you have ever wallowed in your own despair? Yeah, I'm, I've been there, I'll be honest. Now, what we find with David is he starts off in despair, 
But it's a glorious thing. He moves to trust. He doesn't stay in his despair. And and I want us all to get a vision of not just how do we despair, but let's despair well when we're going to despair, and then let's be able to move forward into trust. So could I ask you as you read Psalm 13 that we all stand together? And if you're at home, feel free to stand with us if you like. But I just think it helps to to pay attention a little bit more as we read the words. So I'll I'll read, uh, and you can read with me. It says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul? Will sorrow with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will the enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we've, we've defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I'll rejoice because you've rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for for your word. Lord, I thank you that you know our individual love languages, people, God, and your word speaks to each one of us individually. God, only as your spirit can do, I ask today, Lord, that as we open up our hearts to you, as we open up our minds to you, God, that you would speak individually by your spirit to each one of us. God, I'm trusting you for that. I'm asking you for that, God, that these would be words of life we find in Psalm 13. Lord, words that that speak to each one of our hearts, that we would be changed today. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you for standing. So as we look at Psalm 13, when I read the Word of God at all, I always like to make observations. I think it's the engineer in me running experiments so often. Like you, you run the experiment, you've got to see what happened. You have to observe. Like it's all in, in that observation. So there's two observations I'm going to make, and I'm going to tell them both to you, and then we're going to dig a little bit deeper into both of them, all right? So the first is this. There's pain in, that the pain in life is very real and it can last a very long time. And the second is that pain in life will always drive us to something. Okay, so pain in life is very real. It can last a very long time. And the second is pain in life will always drive us to something. So let's start with this first one. We see in verse 1, O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? You know, so it's really interesting. Ed mentioned last week in his message that David was a man after what? After God's own heart, right? And I'm looking at David, and he looks pretty real to me. He kind of looks like you or I could look, because I'm not seeing a man after God's own heart here. I'm seeing a man that's like, God, are you still there? Have you forgotten me, God? How long? Is this going to go on forever? It's like when you want to talk with your kids and they're not looking at you and you kind of grab their face, right? David wants to do that with God. Like, God, are you looking the other way? Like, look at me, God. Pay some attention to me. Here I am. And this is the man after God's own heart. It's like you or I. It's, he, he's no one different. You know, and I, and I love reading the Old Testament because the people in the Old Testament are real. They're, they're really no different than you or I. Right? It, it could be any one of us saying the same things that, that David is saying. And if we're honest with ourselves, there's probably been a time where you or I may have said these same words to God and cried out to God in a very similar way and, and been desperate. And we see in, in verse 2 that David says, How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart, every day? Like, is this going to go on for, God, when's the end of this misery going to be? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? 
You know, and it's interesting, if you compare verse 1 to verse 2, in verse 1, David's talking to God. He's kind of external, right? So he's focused on God, asking God these questions. But then verse 2, he goes internal. He, he looks inside himself, and he's like, I don't see any answers in myself either. All I see is anguish in my soul. Like, how long? And, and sometimes, you know, we, we find ourselves, we look to God, and we, we look, and there's nothing in us that's going to rescue us. We're, we're just going to find anguish in ourselves. And, you know, so how do you deal with pain in your life? I think we all can respond differently to pain. Sometimes when people come to me and they've, they've got a, a tragic situation, I, I try to be the steady force and, and remind them, look, it's, it's always going to get better. Like God is right around the corner and I try to encourage him. Maybe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and maybe that doesn't work for you. You kind of hear my words as suck it up, buttercup. You don't have it so bad. And, and I don't mean to say that, but like that's how I deal sometimes with tragedy. And you may deal with it differently. And one isn't right, one isn't wrong. We're just all different, right? Feelings just are. We, we can't control our feelings. It's what do we do with our feelings? Where do we take our feelings to? So I think David recognized something that we all need to recognize in dealing with painful situations. The truth is this. Until we see Jesus face to face, we're all going to see the effects of sin in this world. Right? Even Jesus himself said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. All right, thanks, Jesus. I appreciate the word of encouragement, right? Thank you. That was very nice. You're going to have trouble in the world, but Jesus didn't leave it there. He said, don't worry because I've overcome the world. But he he laid it out straight for us. He told us we would have trouble in the world. So the feeling of pain and abandonment, it's real. It could last a very long time, but it doesn't mean that Jesus isn't aware of it. He knows all about it. He knows when you're hurting. He feels your pain. He's crying alongside you. You may not see him, but he's there and he's working. So what happens when God is silent? What happens when you cry out to the Lord like David did? And you might be saying, how long, God, until you answer me? Is it going to be forever? And you hear nothing. What do you do then? Right, and that brings us to observation number two. Pain in life will always drive us to something. So David says, turn and answer me, O Lord, my God, in verse 3. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I'll die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we've defeated him. You know, have you ever um, had someone you love and you went to that someone and you said, hey, I I noticed something seems off. Is is something the matter? And they might say to you, no, I'm good. Nothing. It's fine. And like you know that that's not the real answer. What should you do in a situation like that? All right, husbands, I want to give you a tip. If you ever ask your wife, hey, honey, is something the matter? And she says, nothing. Nothing never means nothing, okay? Like, we all know that. If you've been married for any length of time, nothing means something, and nothing means you better keep asking me because I really want to talk it out, but I just don't know if you're really interested to take the time to talk it out. That's what nothing means. It's complicated, but that's like, you know, man versus woman speak sometimes. And I think God is saying the same thing to us. Sometimes he's silent, Because he wants to know, are you going to keep praying for more than five minutes about this thing? Are you just going to forget about it? Are you going to give up after five days? What about five weeks? Would you give up after five weeks of praying? Right, and we see something in Luke 18. I think when God is silent, he's looking for us to be like the persistent widow with the unjust judge. So you might remember this story. There's a judge that's not listening to this widow. And she goes to him every day and is asking for justice. Every day, every day. She's like a nag. And then it tells us this in 18.7. So don't you think God 
will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? See, God wants to know, are you going to be persistent in prayer? Or are you just going to, like I asked you once, God, you're not there. You're, you're, forget, forget it, God. You must not be real. I'm going to walk away. Right? How, how strong is your faith in God? And I, and I think sometimes in the midst of pain, the question is this. It's where do we go? Do we go to God or do we turn towards other things? Right? So, so sometimes, you know what, when I'm in the midst of pain, man, it's the bowl of ice cream at night. That's what I'm looking forward to. I want to drown myself. Like the bigger the bowl, the better. Right? Ice cream in Netflix, even a better thing to drown my sorrows in. Maybe you've got something else. Maybe it's the six-pack. Maybe it's the bottle of wine. None of these things are bad in and of themselves, but it's who are you turning to? Um, am I turning to vices to try to comfort me, or am I turning to the Lord in the midst of my sorrow? See, pain in life will always drive us to something. The question is, what's that something going to be? So we started this message saying David had pain and despair, but he learned to go from pain and despair to what? To trust in God. So I want to start making that shift because David pressed into God in a unique way. And I want us to learn how to do that. How can we model and, and follow in the footsteps of David? So this is what David did. What does it look like to press into God? We find that David, right in the midst of his trial, he starts to pray. And, and he's crying out to God right in the middle of where he's at. So what do, we, what do you or I do when things are going bad, Right? like to complain, like to get angry, like to feel frustrated. Where, where all those bring us? They don't bring us to God. Now, maybe the next thing we could do is start to complain to God, start to be honest with God. God, where are you? How long, Lord? That's okay. That's where David started. He was praying in the midst of his trial. You know, I, I think about what is it that COVID has done for me and you? Right? COVID has taught me that there's nothing that's certain in life. The only certainty is Jesus Christ. Right? That's all I can turn to. And, and in the middle of this crazy COVID time, my sister calls me up like a month and a half, two months ago, and tells me that she got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's really bad, but how do I not sound shocked and communicate to her that's really bad? Because she's like, oh yeah, I'm going to see the surgeon this Friday, and she's acting like it's no big deal. I'm like, people die most of the time from pancreatic cancer, Gina. Don't you know that? That's what I want to say. But I'm like, oh, we're going to trust the Lord. I'm like trying to sugarcoat this, this diagnosis. And I hang up the phone, and I'm like, oh my gosh, God, I've dealt with the death of my father and my mother, but I'm not ready to have a sibling. If let alone my twin. Why don't you take one of my older brothers and sisters? I'm sacrificing them off, you know? Like, they're old. She's my age. It's not, it's not right. It's not fair. I couldn't call her the rest of the week because I knew if I called her, I'd probably cry. Right? But I'm crying out to the Lord saying, God, in the midst of my trial, Lord, where are you? God, you can't take Gina. It's not okay. So I think David, in the midst of his trial, he was honest with where he was. He poured his heart out to the Lord. That's a good place to be today. It's good to take your desperation to the Lord. So, so here's the thing about prayer. I've heard that, you know, consistency in prayer is a good thing. And if you're not consistent, you're just not disciplined enough. You know, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm a fairly disciplined person. I'm, I'm able to set a schedule and, and drive to that schedule. I've trained for, for half marathons, for marathons. Like, I execute. I know how to execute well. I can be steady Eddie in my devotional life. But something about prayer, it's hard to pray. But there's something about what I see in David's life. David was desperate for the Lord. 
And like his desperation turned him to prayer, right? And, and you want to be consistent in prayer? Get more desperate for God, right? David was the one that cried out, As the deer pants for water, Lord, so my soul pants for, for you. He, he said in that other verse, if, there, if you don't return the sparkle to my eye, God, I'm going to die. Like, I don't think he's just being dramatic. He's desperate for God. And, and you want to know, my prayers the week that, that I heard that my sister had pancreatic cancer, man, they amped it up. Like, they were, they were more prayers than I've prayed in a long, long time. Because desperation takes you to the Father. And that's what we need to see in the middle of our pain. Let desperation take you to the Father. That's where God wants us to go. So David prayed in the middle of the trial. He was honest about where he was. And then he started to make this turn from despair to trust. And we're going to take three things, three things that we're going, to, we're going to follow in David's life about how he went from despair to trust, okay? So the first thing he did is, is he said in verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. See, David knew that he was in a covenant relationship with God. He knew it. God had spoken it personally to him. So you might say, well, I know there was a, the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, where, where was the covenant with David? And it, and it says this. Um, I got to just find my notes here. Hold on a second. In 2 Samuel 7, God says through the prophet Samuel, my favor will not be taken from you as I took it from Saul. And David's remembering that covenant. He's remembering, God, you said you would not leave. You would not take your hand off of me. You would not remove your favor like you did from Saul. David's going back. He's remembering God's unfailing love. I trust in your unfailing love. So what about me and you? Are we in covenant with God? Like I know that the Old Testament talks about God's chosen people, the the Israelites, the Jewish people. Well, I'm not Jewish. I don't know about Jew. Does that mean I'm chopped liver? Like does, does God have a covenant with you and with me that we can remember? And he does. Romans 9, 25 and 26 refers to a prophecy in Hosea. And it says, Those who were not my people, I will now call my people. Right? God has made a covenant with you and with me. He prophesied it in Hosea, and it came to fulfillment when Jesus died on the cross. He died for all of us. So today, Doug, you're in covenant relationship with God. You can say, God, I trust in your unfailing love that God has a covenant with each one of us if we've given our lives to to him and receive Jesus as our Savior. So right in the middle of our child. Let's be honest and pour our heart out to God. Let's be honest and and go to God and and then start to move from despair to trust and say, but I trust in your unfailing love. See, and I think one of the things that David learned was he knew that in a fallen world, there's going to be pain, there's going to be heartache, there's brokenness and sin. So so why do we trust God when we're still going to have to go through sickness and heartache and pain? Why do I trust God when, you know, my own sister gets pancreatic cancer? God, couldn't you protect her from that? God, are, are, aren't you big enough to, like, have pain and sorrow go around me and, instead of right to my own family? You know, and here's the reason why I know that God loves me, because God's grace is never more brilliant than on the backdrop of sin that's black, right? And, and think about when you go look for, for diamonds, if you've ever bought diamonds. They never have them on white velvet in the case, right? Because white velvet in a diamond is going to kind of get washed out. It's always on what? It's on black velvet. And they got those lights that shine on, on the diamond. It's like, it's so impressive. If it sparkles and you get home and you're like, wow, it doesn't sparkle as much. There's no light shining from the ceiling down at home. But, you know, we see the brilliance of a diamond on black velvet. We see the brilliance of grace 
through sin, through, the, through the, as dark as, as sin and pain can be. That's how we know God's grace. And, and that's why God wants us to move and press through that, that pain. There's a purpose for what he's doing in our lives. So that's number one. David remembered the covenant that God had with him. Second thing is, it says that God's salvation is sure, but I trust in your unfailing love. I'll rejoice because you have rescued me. See, David knew that he was rescued. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, I've got experiences, I've got situations I could share with you if you don't have them, but you probably can look back and say, God, you were there for me here. You were there for me here. Like Gina reminded me, remember, Greg, when we were born, I wasn't supposed to live. The doctor said I would never make it past five days, and I'm still here. So like God, the devil already tried to take me out once. Like I'm not going to die until it's God's time for me to go. And I'm like, Gina, you're right. Like God, God saved you at childbirth, and you're still here. Like why, why would this have to be the end? Even though like pancreatic cancer, it's not a cool thing. So David was complaining in the earlier verses, saying, God, you're not there for me. How, how long are you going to forget me? I want relief from the anguish of my souls. I, I, need, I need you to rescue me from my enemies. And you know, there's something that David started to do, and I think we can start to do is, as he's looking at God and, and he's trusting his, in his unfailing love and rejoicing because God's rescued him. Do you remember the song? This is a throwback, but it's an Amy Grant song. Right? I don't know if you've ever listened to Amy Grant, but she sings this song that's like, in a little while we'll be home forever, in a little while. Right? And I, I remember going through really tough times in life and saying, okay, there's going to be a day where I'm sitting face to face with Jesus. It, it's in a little while, right? This earth seems like it's forever to me, but it isn't forever, right? We know that. Eternity is forever. And Dave, when you're going through a really struggle, really bad struggle, you can look toward heaven and go, in a little while, like there's going to be a day that there's no more pain, no more sickness, no more sorrow. That's the day that we got to keep our eyes on. That's the prize. When, when, when God says to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant, right? That's the day I'm looking forward to. And you know, the crazy thing is this. When I start singing that song and start looking towards heaven, it kind of makes this earth grow a little dimmer. Right? The pain subsides just a little bit because I'm, I'm focused on something more brilliant. Right? And I see the brilliance of his grace on the backdrop of, of the sinful world. And I started for that week that I heard that my sister had pancreatic cancer. I started to put my eyes on heaven and I started to know that, God, all of her days are numbered. Lord, I can trust you that this doesn't have to be the thing that takes her out unless it's what you've already planned. And if you plan, God, I'm good with that. And, you know, when she went uh, to the doctor and she went to undergo surgery, I had a peace that, okay, whatever, God, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do, right? And, and it was, it's amazing to, to go from despair to trust. And, and it happens through, through exactly what we're saying here, where you start to be honest with God, you start to pray to God, then you start to remember his promises and his covenant and his unfailing love. But there was one more thing that David did. He said, I'll sing to the Lord because he's good to me. You know, and I don't know about you, like it's one thing to remember God's covenant, it's one thing to remember his unfailing love, but now you want me to sing in the middle of my pain? You want me to sing praises to God? Yeah. Because you know why? When, when we do that, it's called giving a sacrifice of praise. We, we don't have to kill lambs and bulls and goats. We don't have to shed blood sacrifices anymore. We give a sacrifice of praise. And you know, when my sister went under the knife that day, it was a long surgery. 
And she came out of it, and the surgeon said, look, I've got good news. You are cancer-free. He, had, he took her entire pancreas. He thought he was just going to take a part of it. He took her entire pancreas, so now she's diabetic. Right? She's got to give herself insulin shots. It's kind of a drag. It's a bummer. Like She's figuring out, you know, when do I drink the orange juice? When do I give myself a shot of insulin and, and all that craziness? But she's cancer-free. And she's going to start chemo at the end of this month just as a, a, as a one-two punch to this thing. Not that there's any cancer there, but just in case. Now, I'm not saying that it's only God worked in this situation because God took her, took her through it. But, like, here's the crazy part of the story. The doctor's like, you have a very, very, very rare pancreatic cancer. It's like one in I don't know how many thousand of people get pancreatic cancer. Did it stay contained and we were able to get it all? Like, you hear about Alex Trebek? His cancer spread. He can't have the kind of treatment that my sister had. It won't work. I'm like, that's, that's a God that I serve. Like, he knew the number of her days. She's not going home because of pancreatic, pancreatic cancer, at least not yet. It's not God's timing for her. So can we sing to the Lord? Would you stand with me as we close? Could we sing to the Lord praises right in the middle of our situation? And, you know, this is what I know about God. What I see in the New Testament about Jesus is people would come to him with a very real and prevalent condition. Sometimes it was they were blind. Sometimes they were lame. Sometimes they were leper. But many times Jesus would look at them like I'm looking at Jane. And he would say, what is it you want me to do for you? I'm like, Jesus, can't you see? Like, I, I can't see you. Jesus, like, I'm not walking. It's pretty obvious what I need. But no, Jesus wanted them to put into words what they wanted from him. And this morning as we close our eyes and, and close in prayer, I just want you to think about what situation can you put into words today? that you would come before the Father and you would put it into words, maybe like you've never done before. Because when I say, God, I want to be healed and I want to walk again, that's a step of faith for me to even voice that out to the Lord. Right? I don't know if God's going to do it today, tomorrow, in a year from now, five years, but God, I'm going to be persistent like the widow was persistent. God, would you do that? I, I want to raise these things to the Lord. So, so whatever you have, I want to hold that up to the Lord now in the name of Jesus. God, we bring you these needs. We bring you these requests. Lord, we cry out in desperation, just like David cried out. God, we say, how long? Lord, we bring you our pain. We bring you our sorrow. We're honest with you today, Lord God. We know that you're hearing our prayer. And God, we want to move from the desperation, Lord. We want to move forward to the trust, to know that you have a covenant with each one of us, God. Lord, we choose all over again to put you first in our life. God, we choose to make you Lord of our life, God, that that the covenant you made through Jesus Christ applies to us. And God, we remember your unfailing love. God, the circumstances may look like you've forgotten us, but that's not the truth. The truth is that you have unfailing love for each one of us, God. Your salvation is sure. And God, today we offer up a sacrifice of praise. God, we bring you the situations, our pain, our struggles. Lord, we bring it to you. We offer it up as a sacrifice of praise. And and saints, now I want to ask you to do something that's going to seem a little weird and crazy. The walls at Jericho fell with a shout. Right? Everybody gave praises to the Lord in that moment, and the walls fell down. So I want us all, in an act of obedience to God, just to lift our hands and start to just shout praises to Him all together. All right? Can we do that? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your unfailing love. Lord, I praise you for who you are, God. Lord, I thank you that you're always at work. Even when I can't see it, God, you're at work. And we trust you today, God. We love you from the bottom of our hearts, and we thank you, we praise you. 
and we look to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. So God, we offer up that shout to you as as a sacrifice of our praise, God. And and we're looking for fulfillment, Lord, that that as we may have walked in here with despair, but God, we're walking out of here with trust, Lord. We, We walked in here without faith. We're walking out of here with renewed faith, Jesus, because you are a miracle worker. And we thank you, God, for working in each one of our hearts. So God, now I pray your peace over your people. Lord, press down, shaken together, running over. I pray for grace for every situation, God. Lord, that as dark as it would, would, would be in our lives, Lord, that grace would be that brilliant diamond that we would never have seen it so bright. In Jesus' name, I speak your grace for every situation, and we thank you for it, Lord. And that's how we walk out of here, with your grace and with your peace. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great day.